You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. There's all kinds of suffering, horrible persecution going on, and he's encouraging believers to respond to suffering by serving others. This is what their spiritual gifts are for. And then he concludes by saying that suffering, now catch this, how many of you like suffering? I don't, but here's what he's gonna tell us. Suffering will sharpen some things in your life. In your walk with Jesus, have you ever faced storms that felt impossible to overcome? Have you ever questioned God's presence in the middle of life's challenges? Pastor Jeff reassures you in today's message that there's no obstacle beyond God's overcoming power. He remains faithfully by your side, orchestrating every circumstance for your ultimate good, even when He feels distant. God has never abandoned you and never will. Turn the world upside down for the sake of God's divine kingdom. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 as he begins his message, Think It Not Strange. If anyone speaks, this is where we're going to be starting, verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Then in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Next, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial. How many of you are thinking, this is strange? What you're, what I'm going through, this is strange, right? He said, don't think that. Uh, because that has come to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Why? Because verse 13, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Amen. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Oh, what a verse. On their part, he's blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer. This is what you're not to be in trouble for. As a Christian, you shouldn't have to be suffering because you did these things. Murderer, anybody in here killed anybody lately? I want to meet you afterwards. We have somebody that wants to take you somewhere. No. All right. Let none of you suffer as a... Now, he's talking to Christians here. Don't suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a... uh Uh-oh. Busybody. Of course, that never happens in church. In other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed for it, but let him glorify God in this matter. 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin. Where does it begin? At the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Everybody say, Trouble. Now, verse 18 is our last verse. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? If we, barely, if we get in by the blood alone, where's the sinner? Mm. That's why I say letters that burn. 
you, you can smell the fire coming off of these verses, some of them, right? All right. Father, we just thank you for your word. As we get into it, Lord, teach us, strengthen us, give us wisdom and insight, illumination. Help us, Lord, to grasp it and grow by it and be rooted and grounded in it, immovable till the day of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen, you're going to need this. Amen. Now, um, last time we closed out with verse 10, of course, and a comparison between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Remember that comparison? The Jordan River feeds into both the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, but at the Sea of Galilee, it flows in and it flows out. So, so water flows in and water flows out. So it's alive. It's teeming with fish. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. I was on the Sea of Galilee and um, ate a fish from there that we caught. It's called St. Peter's fish. No kidding. Most popular fish there. Anyway, um, but the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. But the Dead Sea is dead. Why is it dead? Because the Jordan also flows into the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out. So you can have life coming in, but if life doesn't go out, it, it, it dies. It stagnates. Uh, it grows bad things. Okay? So our Christian life is supposed to be like the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to tell you, if you're not giving out somehow, using the gift that God gave you somehow, then you're, you're hurting for it. You may not know it, but there's something that is not coming into your life because you're not giving out. You're, you're going to stagnate. You're going to wake up one day and say, what's all this for? I, I, I plugged into a whole new world when I started ministering. I mean, it just, and that didn't take long for me to get in. And ever since then, you know, Ronnie and I were talking, uh, the worship leader and I was telling him, you know, Ronnie, I can't tell you how many times just ministering to people has been therapeutic for me because I can come in dragging, you know, maybe having dealt with some tough stuff during the week. But as soon as I start ministering the word and blessing others, something is lifted. Amen. You know, it's, it's therapeutic to give. So we talked about that. So how many of you want to be a Sea of Galilee? Come on. How many wants to be a Dead Sea? No, nobody wants to be a Dead Sea. Robert, watch out now. I know you. His wife pulled his arm down. He didn't even know what he's amen. He's just, yeah. Good girl. You caught him. I was wondering about him. All right. Now, Peter continues against a background suffering and persecution. Remember, First uh, Peter is to comfort suffering people. That's what the letter is for. Because they're being persecuted in Nero's uh, Rome, and it's, it's bad. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in a minute. But there's all kinds of suffering, horrible persecution going on, and he's encouraging believers to respond to suffering by serving others. This is what their spiritual gifts are for. And then he concludes by saying that suffering, now catch this, how many of you like suffering? I don't. But here's what he's going to tell us. Suffering will sharpen some things in your life. Now, I'm not asking for suffering. I've never had to pray for it. It's always found me. All right? But, but, but he's going to tell us now, we need to catch this tonight, that suffering sharpens us in some key areas. 
First, it sharpens us in our perception of the word of God. He says in verse 11, if anybody speaks, now he's talking about teaching or preaching, ministering the word. If anybody is ministering the word in any way, let him speak as the oracles of God. The word for oracles is from the Greek word logos. We know the word logos, and it means divine utterance. It's, it's the utterance of God. Peter uses this word to describe what should characterize our preaching and teaching as spirit-filled believers. Uh, right now, I'm ministering to you not the utterances of Jeff, but the utterances of God. I'm teaching you of Jeff. I'd lose you in a week if all I gave you was the utterances of Jeff. He didn't lay his hand on me and say, now, Jeff, go give them your utterances, your opinions, what you think. No, my calling is to break open the word of God and give you the utterance of God. Preach the word. That's the call of every minister. Preach the word. Don't leave it. And don't water it down. Don't dilute it. Don't pollute it. Don't apologize for it. Preach the word. All right? So we're to speak when we minister God's word with Holy Spirit illumination and divine authority. So that's what I've done my entire life. And I'm going to do it till the day I go home. Even though they were suffering, they were not to let their suffering intimidate them where they diluted or compromised God's word. And I got to tell you, I'm so sorry to say that's happening in pulpits all over America. We're diluting and, and watering down and, and uh, uh, compromising the word because we don't want those big givers to walk out. Or we don't want so-and-so to be offended with us. We want to grow. So I'm not going to offend people. I want them staying, not leaving. So we water it down, and, and so much of what we hear is just a glorified, motivational speech. It's not the word being opened up. I've learned, preach the word. If some leave, others will come. Because there's a, there is a... Um, there's a famine for the word of God out there. People want to hear the word of God. There's literally a famine for it. Tell me the word of God. Quit watering it down. And suffering ought to also sharpen our perception about the work of God. Not just the word of God, but the work of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. So if anyone ministers. Now that is supposed to be all Christians are supposed to minister. It comes from a word meaning to serve, to render service, to wait on someone, to care for their needs. That's the word. If anyone ministers, we're to serve one another, says Peter, with God-given ability. We're to use our God-given strength and energy in helping one another. The best way you can minister to others is find out what your gift is. And that's not hard to do. Find out what God has put in you. How do you find out what God's called you to do? Why, pay real close attention to what appeals to you in the world of ministry or church work. Pay real close attention to what your heart is pulled to. Pay attention to it. Because God leads one way is through divine desire planted in your heart. 
I started preaching, just don't want to talk about myself long, but quickly I'll tell you, this is my own experience. I started preaching, not because I heard some voice from heaven or had a cloud formation in the sky. I started preaching because this burning desire began in my heart that I couldn't quench. Couldn't escape it, couldn't get rid of it. Just burned to communicate God's word till finally I had to or I was going to pop. Right? And it's never left me. It's never left me. Now, there have been hard times, times where it wasn't some raging bonfire, but that motivation to minister God's word has never left me. It was a divine plant. And you, you have a gift. Uh, and and it will, it, God's desire is that it break out into ministering, serving one another with it. So pay close attention to your heart. When you look at church work and you hear about church work and you watch others doing church work, what pulls you? you know, I'm looking back here at one of my elders, Frank Alfredo and precious Eleanor, dear friends. And they've been through hell and back with me. But watch this now. Frank, early on, began to get a burden for married uh, couples. And it just haunted him in a good way. And so one day he just connected the dots and get, said, well, I guess I'm supposed to minister to married couples. So he started. And now there's hundreds of people that have gone through he and Eleanor's counseling ministry, uh, the Intimate Encounters class we teach upstairs. Marriages have been saved. Because God gave him that bird. Where'd that come from? That didn't come from Frank's flesh. It sure didn't come from the devil. Where'd it come from? So, so this is free advice. You don't have to give me a dime for it. Just pay close attention. What pulls on, what appeals to you in the work of God? If you've never even thought about that, start thinking about it. So, in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. As Jesus literally served us when he was on the earth, we're to serve one another somehow, some way. After he had washed the disciples' feet, can you imagine God washing your feet? Jesus said to them, I've given you an example. A what? An example. That you should do as I have done to you. Serve one another. So suffering, when you're going through suffering, it sharpens your perception of the word of God and it sharpens your perception of the work of God and then also of the worship of God. He says in verse 11, the latter part of it, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, the goal of all ministry, I don't care what it is, uh, uh, is to bring praise and honor and glory to God. That's the goal of all ministry, not to point to the minister, but is to point to the object of the minister's devotion and message and life. And that's Christ. All ministry is to glorify and honor and bring praise and point up to him. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, even answered prayer should bring glory to God. He said in John 14, 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why will I do whatever you ask in my name? So the Father may be glorified in the Son. So even when you get an answer to prayer, 
the Father is glorified in the Son. And then he encourages the persecuted church of that day to think it not uh, strange concerning the fiery trial. Don't say to yourself, well, I didn't know this was coming. I didn't expect this. I didn't anticipate this. Every person living godly in Christ Jesus should anticipate, at least from time to time, being persecuted. He that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I don't want to name that or claim that. It's always found me. If I live godly in Christ, or if we have a church that lives godly in Christ and preaches the word and worships the true and the living God, we will be persecuted. The phrase fiery trial is from a Greek word meaning literally is set on fire. That sounds wonderful. Remember, that's why I call it letters that burn. You feel it? All right. Peter has already told them they can expect to be refined in the fire in chapter 1, verse 7. As gold is refined in a furnace, Peter says, don't think it unusual that you should pass through a season of suffering. You will. You will. The church of that day was experiencing the first of 10 persecuting Caesars. 10 in a row. The persecution under Nero was the first legal persecution. One church historian says this about Nero's persecution. Its features stand alone in the annals of human barbarity. Inventive cruelty sought out new ways of torture to satiate the bloodthirsty Nero, who was the most cruel emperor to ever reign. He was crazy, and he persecuted and tortured God's people. The gentle followers of Jesus, I got to tell you the truth, were fed to wild animals. Can you imagine that? They were wrapped in animal skins and put into arenas and fed to wild animals who had not been able to eat for days. They would starve them and then turn them loose on them. They were turned into human torches to light Nero's garden. Uh, Often, Nero would go and mingle with the crowd and watch his own dirty work. And even though the public was accustomed to public executions, even they were moved with pity according to Fox's Book of Martyrs and other historical documents. They were moved with pity for the Christians who were putting through such horrible uh, torture. And it doesn't surprise me that Nero died when he was, I think either, I think he was 32, 33, young man. He died in AD 68, two years before the fall of Jerusalem and the scattering of God's people worldwide. So two years before Jerusalem was leveled. He died by his own hand. Does that surprise you? How in the world could you live inside the mind that did that to people? You couldn't. Now we gain comfort from the words of Jesus to the thief on the cross that though they suffered harshly, it didn't last long and they found themselves in paradise with God, resting in the arms of their Savior. But Peter says, don't be surprised Don't consider it strange or unexpected if people mock you, make fun of you, lie about you, slander you, target you, because you're an outspoken believer living godly in Christ Jesus. And folks, those days are getting worse and worse in America. Can I give you a little warning signal here? Not the same America. Uh Uh-uh. It's very different. 
And now there is open persecution against God's people simply for taking a stand, quoting a Bible verse. Peter says, rather than thinking their suffering strange, they should rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Verse 13. P Peter was likely thinking back to the early days of the church when he and the other disciples first experienced persecution for walking with Christ. Uh, right after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and the, the power of God came upon them, that's when the devil came at them. And they preached, they performed miracles all throughout Jerusalem. They were shaking the city. And the enraged Jewish authorities locked them up and an angel came and set them free. Amen. Amen. Then the authorities seized them again, commanded them, don't preach in Jesus. You can preach all you want, but don't preach in Jesus' name. And whipped them with the 39 lashes across the back. But what did they do? With bruised and bleeding backs, uh, they left the court and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing Amen. that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Wow, rejoicing. After 39 whiplashes, are you kidding me? Most of us are calling an attorney. <laughs> and we're wanting to be taken to ER. They walked out rejoicing. Where did that come from? came from the Spirit of God being upon them. Amen. Spirit of God and of glory rests upon you. Amen. So Peter's words are born out of his own fiery experience, no doubt about it. These early disciples, folks, they were amazing. You could not stop them. Matter of fact, lock them up in prison, and they won the jailers to Christ. Uh, and, or spent their time writing the eternal epistles we have in the New Testament. Turn them loose, and they turn the world upside down. Beat them and you make them partakers of Christ's sufferings and fill their souls with joy. Kill them and you promote them to glory. You could not knock a good Christian down. A Christian was in a win-win situation. You may need to remember this someday. Next, Peter assures them, verse 14, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. If you're reproached, that's a strong word. It means to disgrace or insult, to reproach, to mock, or to curse someone. If that happens to you for the name of Christ, it, it literally means insults being cast into your teeth. That's the Greek meaning. You're, just, you're being hit like in your teeth, with the fists of harsh words. Very unpleasant experience. I'm never going to tell you I would like that, or I have liked it when it's happened to me. But Peter assures you're blessed, you're happy, and you are somebody that ought to be envied. That's what he said. To be envied. Amen. Amen. Glory comes from the word doxa, because the Spirit of God and of glory rests on you. Doxa means brightness and splendor. At the very moment you're being reproached for Christ's name, the Spirit uh, of God and the brightness of His glory is resting on you. Now, Peter next is going to meddle a little bit. How many of you will let him? Yes. All right, let's go. Here we go. He says, now here, let me give you four reasons you as Christians should never suffer. 
Since we're talking about suffering, let me tell you four reasons why you should never suffer. They're all self-imposed. Are you searching for something deeper in this life? Are you unsure of what's next? In the face of uncertainty and shifting sands, Pastor Jeff inspired you to stand up for your faith. When the world around you seems unpredictable and values waver, cling to the unchanging truths of your faith. Be a beacon of unwavering conviction, shining the light of your beliefs even in the midst of doubt and confusion. As challenges and uncertainties arise, stand firm in your faith. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. Are you tired of the rat race? Do you know if there's anything more than this life? In his next word, Pastor Jeff encourages you to embrace your citizenship in heaven and live in perpetual preparation for this eternity. In a world chalked full of sin and suffering, there's nothing more important than anchoring your identity to heaven. Rather than being solely engrossed in the transient affairs of earthly life, align your priorities with the enduring promise of heaven. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter next time on Hardwired.